Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to the November 2014 edition of CTSS Quiz. We have 10 terrific cases for you, and uh, hope you enjoyed them. So let's review them, let's discuss them, and let's get started. This is a great case. Uh, best diagnosis in this patient with a new onset of GI bleed. And I've given you four choices. The one thing you'll notice on the first image on your left, which is the image through the base of the heart, there are large nodes in the pericardiac region. And that's really a very helpful hint. When you look at the abdominal CT, you see marked thickening of the gastric wall. The gastric wall is massively thickened. There are nodes in the celiac axis, there's ascites. This doesn't look like a gist tumor, which usually solitary masses. It's really almost too extensive for adenocarcinoma, and the pericardiac nodes are not something you would see with adenocarcinoma. Melanoma gives many different appearances and can, in fact, give pericardiac nodes, but the stomach wall, I've really never seen that thick with melanoma. And so the best case in this uh, example, the best choice that we could pick is lymphoma. And this was a lymphoma. Remember, classically, lymphoma of the stomach we like to think about massive wall thickening over four centimeters. That's the classic finding. Nodes are very common, celiac nodes, pericardiac nodes, periodic nodes, and the like. And this was an excellent example of a patient whose GI bleeding was due to gastric infiltration by lymphoma. Very nice case. This is an interesting case because the first thing about this case is I have to wonder, is this a pancreatic mass or is it maybe a duodenal mass or something peripancreatic? It's a large mass, fairly homogeneous. You can see from arterial phase imaging, it's not very vascular. And there's dense calcification in the center. Well, a mucinous uh, cyst adenocarcinoma or cyst adenoma is a possibility. They get stellate calcifications. Serous cystadenoma is a possibility. They do get stellate calcifications as well. They're usually not so dense. A mucinous cystic tumor, usually it's in the tail of the pancreas and doesn't have calcification. What about a spend tumor? Well, spend tumors are solid and cystic, can be homogeneous like this, and about 70% have calcification. The key then is this patient's 25 years old. This is a classic spend tumor, solid mass, maybe some low density areas, calcification, 25 year old female, it's always going to be a spend tumor, which was commonly called a solid and papillary epithelial neoplasm or a moody tumor. Just a very, very important case. Again, the other things you'd be thinking about, but none of those are gonna be in that differential diagnosis when it comes down to making your final decision. In this case, I asked you, what's the least likely diagnosis? And of course, that's a very good point, because what are we seeing here? If we look at the images, we see a mass about two centimeters in the stomach, greater curvature, and it's vascular. So really, I'm asking you, what gives you a vascular mass? Well, carcinoid tumors can occur in the stomach, and they're classically vascular. That's what a globus tumor is. It's a bunch of vessels, classic, vascular, gist tumor. Although many of the gist tumors we see, particularly the larger ones, are relatively homogeneous and not very vascular, gist tumors, particularly small ones, are vascular. We often describe them in the small bowel as sources of GI bleeding, and even in the stomach, they can be vascular. The one that no way, no how can be this vascular is adenocarcinoma. First of all, adenocarcinomas usually aren't so well defined, but more importantly, they're typically hypovascular. This least likely is going to be... Uh, a adenocarcinoma. So that's the correct answer. This is an interesting case, diffuse thickening of the stomach. Well, what could this be? You know, if I look at this without any history or just trying to give a differential diagnosis, my first thought is probably lymphoma. There are some nodes present. 
adenocarcinoma with diffuse infiltration, extensive disease is a possibility. If the patient had breast cancer or linitis plastica type appearance, it's not classic for linitis plastica as the stomach almost distends too well, but an infiltrating process, and we think about breast cancer as the classic linitis plastica. The one thing I'm not thinking about is a just tumor. Those are usually exophytic masses. When they're uh, endoluminal, they're still large, solid, well-defined. Something infiltrating like this, uh, and in fact, this case ended up being lymphoma. I could have thought about adenocarcinoma. I could have potentially thought about metastatic breast cancer, but the least likely diagnosis is indeed a just tumor, and that's the answer for this case. This patient has weight loss, and I want to know what the best diagnosis is. Well, what do you see here? You see mark thickening of the patient's jejunum. It's a long segment of bowel. It's diffusely infiltrated. And again, I could think of Crohn's disease. You don't quite have a halo, but Crohn's involves a small bowel, but usually it's distal. It doesn't really look like ischemia. The vessels look really good. Um, it has more of an infiltrating type process. Just tumors can be focal in the small bowel, it can be small or large, but this is a long, probably at least 10 centimeters of infiltrating segment. What gives you infiltration? Of course, inflammatory bowel disease is a possibility, but the other thing is lymphoma. Lymphoma gives you long segments of infiltrated bowel. Here it's, you see some nodes, there's a bunch of nodes in the otocable space, which can be helpful in suggesting the diagnosis. So to me, the best diagnosis in this patient and what the diagnosis was, was B-cell lymphoma. Just a very, very nice example. What's the best diagnosis for the cystic pancreatic lesion? So let's look at it carefully. There's no dilated pancreatic duct. There's no dilated common duct. The lesion is cystic, and there are multiple small cysts present. There's maybe some vascularity at the edge, but that probably is stretching of vessels, which would be shown simply on the 3D images. This is not an IPMN. That's usually a cystic lesion. Maybe it has a nodule in it with dysplasia. Lymphoepithelial cyst typically is exophytic and doesn't have multiple cystic components. It's homogeneous, low density, measures typically 0 to minus 10. And a spent tumor can have cystic components, but it also has solid components and doesn't have this like starburst appearance. And that starburst or sunburst appearance, depending what term you want to use, is very classic for a serous cyst adenoma. This was a 55-year-old asymptomatic female, and I want to know what the best diagnosis is. Well, this gives you your chance. Cystic lesion, junction body tail of pancreas, extending to tail, well-defined. What could it be? I guess it could be a serous cyst adenoma. That's a possibility. Lymphopathelial cyst, I guess usually more exophytic, but it could be. IPMN is a very large lesion, theoretically it can, but what I tried to cheat on in this case was tell you it was a 55-year-old female. When I see a distal body tail lesion in a 55-year-old female, the best diagnosis to me is an MCN, a mucinous cystic neoplasm. Very, very important diagnosis. Again, I would consider the other possibilities, but this is the diagnosis. The best diagnosis in this 50-year-old male is, and this is a great case, and if you look carefully, what you're seeing is a cystic lesion in the tail of the pancreas with rim enhancement. That's the key, the rim enhancement. If it was just a cyst, you might think about an IPMN 
or an oligocystic serous adenoma, or even an MCN, though it's most common in the women, not in men. But the rim enhancement is not seen with IPMN, and it's not seen with serous adenoma, and it's not seen with MCN. That's classic for a cystic neuroendocrine tumor. Although most neuroendocrine tumors are hypervascular and diffusely hypervascular, we have seen a number of cases of cystic lesions with rim enhancement, so-called cystic neuroendocrine tumors, and this is an outstanding example. What about this case? Patient has abdominal pain, and when you look, there's a very large mass. And at first guess, you say maybe it's pancreatic head, but there's no dilated common duct or hepatic duct or pancreatic duct dilatation seen. You also see the portal vein, which is simply slightly pushed, not invaded. This tumor is kind of exophytic. So my first thing is, this is not coming from the pancreas. It's not a serous cystadenoma because it's too solid. It's not, it could be lymphoma, I guess. Spend tumor, it really is not pancreas, it's too exophytic. So I'm thinking duodenum. Lymphoma, gist tumor, remember we've spoken about gist tumors, how large they can become? That's why I'm picking gist tumor. Yes, lymphoma can involve the duodenum, and yes, it's typically pushing on vessels, but it's usually substantially smaller. Large mass like this, no adenopathy, no other findings. You've got to be thinking about a gist tumor. And duodenal gist tumors are some of the largest gist tumors that we see. Just a beautiful example. The history in this case is critical. Post-operative a week, post procedure, and now the patient has a new liver lesion. So the first thing you say is a new liver lesion, post-op patient, you've got to think about an abscess. You can think about an infarct. You can think about air bubbles in there. Could be clostridium infection. The likely thing that it's not is metastasis or a recurrent tumor. Yes, recurrence can occur early, and we've seen sad stories with four to six weeks later. But a week post-op, if you had a normal CT and normal exploratory lap, there is no chance that's going to be metastatic disease. Now, in this case, what was the issue? The patient had a Whipple's with uh, no negative resection, but there was a large lesion in the liver, which was hemangioma, and they decided to resect it. After they resected it, it was it bled, and so they used gel foam to really stop the bleeding. And this is a great case because I want to show you an example of where gel foam can surely simulate an abscess. And in the post-op patient, we considered an abscess, but then when I spoke to the surgeon, I said, did you use gel foam? And the surgeon said he did, and this was just gel foam, and the patient did fine. Well, those are 10 absolutely terrific cases. I hope you got them all right, but more importantly, I hopefully you learned something from each case. And with that, we'll be back and see you next month.